Hello, welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason. Tennis show, I'm Jay Goda, CEO of Tax Templates, Inc. Tax Templates is a software currently built over Excel and transitioned to the cloud that helps advisors in Canada assess different tax scenarios by looking at what the current baseline case is, but also being able to run different test scenarios and optimizations in order to better advise their clients around tax. And with that, here's my interview with Jay. Jay, thanks for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Jason. My pleasure. So Jay Godis of Tax Templates, tell us about Tax Templates. I thought you did a pretty good job with your, your introduction right there about what we it is what we do. You know, I'm a CPA CA specialized in tax and public practice for 10 years. And me and a former colleague uh, started programming and we started trying to build solutions to problems that we were facing in public practice. And by working in public practice, as you would know, being in the wealth management field, you work very closely with wealth management officer, uh, wealth. You work very closely with wealth management professionals, financial planners, lawyers and insurance advisors, and tax is a very complex element. So we started finding out that a lot of times we were using rules of thumb or maybe educated guesses. So we sought out to try and solve these complex tax situations for individuals and corporations. And integration is our tax specialty. Excellent. So we'll uh, we'll dive into that. Give me the genesis of the company. So you started building this. Why was that the case? And where is the journey taking you over this time? Yeah, so when we first started, it was all about just trying to find ways to save time. I really think it's important uh, to try and be as efficient as possible. So I was always interested in processes and systems to be efficient. And I was being able to implement those types of elements when I worked in public practice. Whenever there was an opportunity to find ways to save time and get better answers, I'd always try and approach that. And what we found by looking really closely around the profession and also around the whole wealth management industry in general is that there were lots of opportunities to give people software to help solve those complex elements that might take someone maybe a week to try and assess and see if we can get it down to a few minutes. So we started programming, we built one solution at a time, and before you know it, here we are a decade later, and we have built many solutions in our TTI suite. And as you mentioned at the beginning, we started in Excel, but we we're starting that journey into the web-based environment. I think as many have seen as a result of COVID, the pandemic, a lot more people are more comfortable in the cloud. So we're ready to support our clients in that environment. Excellent. All right. So yeah, you started in Excel, several other software that's seen do that and you transitioned to the cloud. I'm sure you wanted to do that from day one, but of course, <laughs> dealing with uh, people who are not necessarily the most tech savvy. So, okay. So let's talk about the user experience, right? So I get your software, I put it in place. What is it I am doing first in order to start getting anything actionable? Well, I think for a lot of advisors, they're really focused on corporate tax and personal tax. So the, where most advisors start is they're working with a client and they're trying to determine what the tax outcome will be. What Again, either from a corporate perspective or a personal perspective. If we look at it from a personal perspective, if you go to our website, for instance, you can download tax tables. I trust everyone's seen tax tables across the country and they look to find out what their marginal rate is. But mm -hmm. if you're looking at a tax table and says, well, here's my federal rate, here's my provincial rate. That doesn't really necessarily assess what your marginal rate really is. If you were to take someone who had young children, well, they can get access to benefits such as the Canada Child Benefit, or they might be paying into CPP or EI. So we start looking at what the impact will be from earning an extra 1000 5000 10000 You would be shocked how many people who are making less than 50000 or $100,000 are paying more marginal tax rates than people at the highest bracket. Yep. So. So what our software allows those people to do is to start looking at situations, starting to plan around them and really look at what their marginal tax rate is. Because 
as a tax professional, and I'd say many tax professionals look at it this way, we're interested in, well, what's the total tax? How do we reduce the total tax? But a lot of advisors and a lot of their clients are really interested in how much cash am I going to have in my jeans? So we really try to focus on answering both those questions. What's the tax? How much cash is in my jeans? And how are we going to solve that for a client so they understand the scenarios in front of them? So yeah, what you're describing there is what we affectionately refer to as the marginal effective tax rate, which is the tax rate that applies once you've <clears throat> once which is the tax rate that applies once you've factored in all the clawbacks of different government benefits. And uh in the US, these are known as phase-outs. But you know, the government gives you something or you're potentially entitled to something, but it's income tested. So therefore, suddenly it is definitely a different uh, calculation. You know, you, you did give a great example with the Canada, Canada Child Tax, uh, Canada Child Benefit, uh, which is also dependent upon two things, number of children you have under a certain age and your total income. So yeah, it's totally you're just looking at your tax tables and thinking, I'm at a 40-something percent marginal tax rate is not contemplating that or other benefits you may be entitled to. In fact, the most grievous of all these, quite honestly, is the anyone who's at the lower end of the spectrum on basically guaranteed income supplement. That has a 50 cents on the dollar clawback amount, right? And there's a small zone where you basically are in the 20% marginal tax rate and then the 50% clawback threshold, which effectively makes you close to 70% taxation by the time you're basically done it. So you literally have people at the lowest end of the spectrum getting the highest marginal tax rate I've ever seen, quite honestly. So, yeah. Jason, I think you need to be uh, teaching a tax course. You understand these elements really quite well. <laughs> I may have done that for business once or twice. Anyway, um, so, so yeah, so again, so it, it kind of, what I like about what you're doing is, look, it's complex. I mean, how many, do you, do you have a number of how many different programs have faith, have clawbacks in this country? I'm not sure how many of the other programs do. Yeah, so, and I think it's something that's, I'm missing from a lot of programs because a lot of times, again, people just focus on the income and deductions and they don't yeah. focus on elements that are tied to net income and taxable income and what those future impacts will be. So to take you another step further, um, one of the things that we focus on is not just running the calculations, but we've attached optimization calculations to a lot of things that we do. And that is a whole nother layer of what our business is about because it's one uh, facet to be able to give a program to say, well, what happens if this is my scenario versus that is my scenario. I'm running, you know, three, four, five, eight scenarios for a client, but it's a whole nother level to be able to help answer those key questions your client are trying to solve. So let's take an example where you've got a shareholder of a corporation. Let's take a professional and they're looking at ways to remunerate themselves each year, you know, salaries, dividends, and so on. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the challenges um, that I think a lot of advisors see with their clients is, Individuals who have corporations sometimes use the corporation as a personal piggy bank. And then we get to the very end of the year and they realize, whoa, we have to pay some remuneration out to clear this shareholder debit balance. And that's money that the individual owes the corporation. If you're the shareholder of that corporation, that's a very bad place to be. We need to clear that out. So the question is, well, how do we do it in the most tax efficient way? And what we've done with our program is not, we have taken all the calculations on the personal side about all those transfer payments like Canada Child Benefit and all our deductions and income the client might be at. You spoke to the marginal effective tax rate. So we're looking very closely at that. And we're also looking at everything happening in the corporation. Are they above the SPD limit? Are they below the SPD limit? Are they going to cross the SPD limit? Do they have active business income or do they have investment income? If they have investment income, is it dividends? Is it capital gains? 
or elsewhere. And, and what we're trying to retroactive, which complicates things even even more, right? So exactly. So what we've tried to do with our algorithms and what we've done with our algorithms is we are able to optimize a decision that you'd like. So let's take that professional who maybe has a shareholder debit balance of 200,000. We can solve for you how to get the $200,000 out into the individual's hands using as few corporate cash dollars as possible. So what we're looking to do is to solve that circular calculation of how do we get to the 200,000? Because you can't just take out 200,000 because the government has their hand up and says, whoa, you're taking some income out. I want my taxes. So we're gonna pay more. So someone at a 50% tax bracket could be at 400,000 to net the 200,000. So we are algorithm factors and everything happening on the individual side and on the corporate side solves the circle and really leaves more funds in the taxpayer's genes. And again, factoring all those critical elements. Yeah, lots there. I think I think my simply simple elegant solution for how to get business owners to not have surprise at the end of the year is to make them run everything through payroll software. You got to think about how terrible that experience is for most. And, and and unfortunately, a lot of accounts know this and they default to the behavior of, you know, I'll just clear this out at the end of the year. And it's like, okay, great. But then the experience is here's uh, here's my bill. And by the way, here's your tax bill. Like what? Everybody, I, I have never met a single business owner who isn't absolutely like just annoyed to death when they basically get what they consider a surprise tax bill because you know we tell them until they're blue in the face but they forget and then suddenly you know that tax bill comes and they haven't planned for that and then that leads to this spiral of taking more money out of the business to pay the tax bill which creates another tax bill for next year and it's just it never ends so <laughs> yes uh you know best practice stop doing that just take payroll just call it a day right like done it's you know when i tell them when i tell them that it also like these simple cheap payroll softwares like like wagepoint which has been on the show uh will also remit all the payroll the, all the taxes to them they're like what like I've been doing that manually. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so that's right, what. Well, let's, let, well, let's up the payroll one. Let's say we've got a client who uh, has some funds sitting in the corporation decides they want to buy a boat. And then they want to buy that boat for 200000 Well, then we got the same issue. So they still want to buy the boat and they think the money's in the corporation, not realizing that there's still another level of tax that has to be paid. So it can be really uh, helpful for those surprise situations that we can't plan for where payroll is a great option uh, when that's on the table. Yep. So we touched upon a lot of stuff there besides the business one. So you touched a lot, a lot of areas. So the experience thus far, you go in, you basically put in this information, you get a realistic view of what's going on. I can then do a scenario where making changes. I'm seeing the net impact, right? I want to take an you know, additional amount of money out here. I'm going to take this dividend, whatever it is. I can see the impact personally and corporately, right? That's that's how it's working. Yep. Okay. Got it. So that's that's great because then all those what if scenarios just get tested. But I think one of the things we, we need to spend a little bit of time on here, we kind of already did, is, I mean, for those, for people who think, um, it's funny, I think there, there's the, the tax world is, the, or at least the average person is divided into two categories. There's those who think taxes are simple because they're used to just taking their individual slips and putting them into basically TurboTax and filing their taxes, not knowing what they're missing, not knowing what the software's not missing, like serving up and not knowing how their decisions impacted that tax bill. You know, ignorance is bliss in that regard. And those who think it's complex. And, and the reality is, is that it's a little bit of both, right? It's a little bit of simple, straightforward if your situation is simple, straightforward. But when you start getting into the optimization world, it is hella complex. I, you know, I put you on a spot and ask you how many clawbacks there are. I think last time someone gave me a number was like 18. And then you run into, so so trying to navigate all that's very difficult. So I'm guessing you basically have to reproduce the entire tax code effectively for companies and, and individuals in your software. Is that how you got there? Yeah, that's exactly how we started. We built very sophisticated personal tax engines, 
Then we built very sophisticated corporate tax engines, and then we brought them together and layered on that optimization. And, and right now, with the focus is on short-term optimization. That's what we built already. But to take your uh, question a step further, uh, long-term optimization is a whole nother challenge because it's one thing to be able to look at situations over one year or two years. But if we look at this over a much longer horizon, which is something you do very closely with your clients, trying to determine what the optimal strategy will be beyond just rules of thumb, it gets very complex with not only all these clawbacks, but also all the features that are available to Canadians from their RRSPs, their TFSA, to the new FHSA, to their non-registered accounts, whether or not they have a corporation, whether or not there's a pension or a life insurance. So bringing in uh, all these other elements combined with the complexities you've already spoken about in the Income Tax Act, that really creates an enormous opportunity for someone who can solve the math. And the math is complex and tax is complex. And the more complex elements we bring together, uh, the more value that our clients are receiving from our software. Yeah. And, and Frank, when we consider the alternative, there's really, you know, what is there that lets you do that kind of strategic planning, right? On one of the spectrum, you have financial planning software, which can do a pretty good representation of baseline cases, right? And you can do some what if scenarios, but, it, you know, depending on the software, not all of them take into consideration Every, I mean, I know, I know, I don't think any of them takes in consideration 100% of all the programs that are clawed back. For example, most of them, I know a lot of them don't even touch older security GIS, right? So that's a problem. Now, I know some, I've spoken to many, there's plans on making that happen. Absolutely great. But you have that gap there, right? On the other end of the spectrum, you have tax filing software, which is not meant for strategic planning. It's meant to file taxes, full stop. So you kind of fit very nicely in the middle of this specialized software that lets people basically figure out what to do? Like, like, how do I, how do I go beyond the basic stuff that I'm seeing in the financial planning software, which maybe is taking into consideration most, if not all of it, but also not designed to relay the information in a way that is solely dedicated to tax, right? Like, I don't have this like scenario A, scenario B tax, like side by side, here's the change and here's how it impacted it. And here's the marginal, like they're not built around that one concept. So, so you fit quite nicely in that zone. I think you got something there. And I think in addition to that, the reality is, is that this is part of the CFP curriculum. Like tax planning is not something that is just cursory looked over. We talk about these concepts, but then there's a disconnect between what we talk about versus what advisors do for one thing. And then those who want to do with the tools they have. So, so, okay. So this is where you are right now. I mean, you're clearly focused on transitioning to the cloud. What other thoughts or plans do you have about the near and long-term development of what it is you've done? Well, I think in the long-term, what we'd like to do is really amplify our optimization algorithms. We really want to be able to look more than a year or two. We can already use the optimization algorithms when they're spouses, which is really critical because that is a significant part of the population. And to your complexity uh, comments earlier, once you start adding in donation optimization and pension splitting optimization, things we already do, uh, that can really have an impact on the after-tax cash available to clients. But what we'd like to do is look at that on a longer time horizon because uh, being able to take these complex elements and look at them over a longer period of time. When will someone possibly claim the capital gains exemption? How is that going to impact their cash flow? When they do that, what is the impact going to be to the AMT? That's the alternative minimum tax. And right now we're doing a recording in uh, June 2023, and there are changes coming to the alternative minimum tax. So for anyone who has clients that might be uh, have a scenario where they have lots of capital gains, well, now is the time to be reviewing the capital uh now is the time to be reviewing the impacts of the alternative minimum tax or anyone who's working with flow through shares um, or anyone making donations. These are going to impact. So 
2023, we've already got the calculations built. You can see the impacts of what happens in 2023 versus 2024 plus as a result of these new rules. So by being current on all the tax legislation and having that built into our software for every province in the country, and then continuing to build out those optimization algorithms over a longer period of time, it's just going to be able to put people in a much better after-tax cash position, because if you can take advantage of the math and the timing and plan accordingly, there is definitely going to be a better result for clients at the end of the day. And I think for the advisors who adopt it, putting their clients in the best position possible is only going to help them build their practice. Well, it's one of these things where like, you know, the incentives are all properly aligned. It's uh, it's it's like referred to as being smart, greedy, right? Like do a better job on the tax planning side for your clients. And guess what? There's more money to manage, right? Like that's the reality of it. Um, I don't like going to the greedy argument very often, but I find it's what resonates with a lot of people, <laughs> but, but it is, but it is valid. It's, this is basically like, look, you know, A, we should be doing this. B, it is net beneficial to both of us. So how does this not make sense? Um, so talk to me about where you see the software being used the most, right? Like what are the biggest use cases that you've seen implemented across your history? I'd say there's two very popular use cases. I'd say one, I find every advisor across the country works with individuals on personal tax planning. So the personal tax planning solutions are certainly used the most just because there's the greatest breadth of those who can use it and those types of situations. I'd say where there's a ton of value the highest amount of value comes when we have a corporation and we have shareholders because mm -hmm. integration is very complex. And once we have a corporation, it opens up other tax planning opportunities that wouldn't be available for some of those simpler cases you mentioned earlier. We just have maybe an individual who's employed, has a T4 slip, maybe an RSP deduction, and that's all. So I'd say that the more accounts that are available to an individual or through a corporation or a shareholder, that's where the biggest value of the optimization really comes through. Yeah, um, it makes sense. I mean, like you said, we're doing some base level of tax planning. This is next leveling it. Um, well, let me throw a question back at you. So if you were to look at your practice and think of where you'd like to see the future of the financial planning industry come when it comes to the numbers on tax and on the financial planning, all those elements we discussed earlier around, you know, insurance and so on, what is your blue sky, perfect universe software that has everything that you'd like. No, they, I mean, like there's no one, let's, let's be clear. There is no one ring software. And I will never say one because anyone who, you know, oh, world class. Yeah. Well, let's not name one. Let's talk about features that you'd like to see. No, you can't be, you can't be world class at everything, but you can be world class at one thing. Right. And, and this is what I always talk to software companies about. It's not, not trying to boil the ocean, not trying to be the everything software. Cause you're just going to be okay at best, probably shitty at most things. Um, so really it's a mosaic of a handful of software specifically. I mean, look, the map is there. We have these modules, we have these things that fall into the financial planning cycle, right? Financial plans itself, investment, insurance, tax, estate planning. The lack of, I would say the lack of software dedicated to anything outside of financial planning and investment in this soft, in this industry is horrible, right? Especially in Canada, in the US, far more options. Um, you know, we now have, luckily in Canada, now we have, we have options, we have options for softwares that will uh, basically value your business, right? On an, on an ongoing basis, right? So basically, there's a huge value there that goes right back into planning. We have options for software now that helps with estate planning and being able to visually basically design an estate plan. Now, there's not as much on the tax planning side there, but that's something that's, that's an opportunity. On the tax planning side, right there, like we've discussed this, I mean, I, I will name names, I'll name names in the US, like Holista Plan and, and FP Alpha that have basically made that a really broad financial planning 
uh, sorry, tax planning to the forefront in the U.S. as a as a way to basically really create an, an in depth experience around the concept of what is one of the most scary topics for people. And then you know the the insurance is still this giant gaping hole. It's all basically around insurance sales and comparison vehicles, and nothing around like. Just give me a compre like I built my own comprehensive spreadsheet that does needs assessments on like eight different types of product and basically says, here is what it is, here is the risk you have, here is the exposure you have, here is the recommendation, and just does that in an you know, encompassing way. Um, so like there's really that that everything outside the planning and investment is still a green field in Canada, quite honestly. In the US, less so. Um, you're seeing more and more niche specialized softwares, but I think in general, there's still so much more. And every advisor will say the same thing. I mean, you know, how do I demonstrate value? How do I demonstrate value? Well, guess what? It's by having deeper, engaging experiences around each of these topics. Um, you know, even I, I will credit Estate Planner. Um, I every time I use that to create a visual estate with my clients, the number one response is at some point they're complimenting on how cool the experience is, how awesome this is, or how neat the software is, whatever it is. Think about this: it's a conversation about them dying, and I'm getting complimented, right? If I can make death compelling, I can make anything, including tax compelling. I just need the right tool and the right approach. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. And if one software is not going to do everything, that's one of the benefits of being in that web-based environment. We can really leverage APIs and move information between the different softwares oh. and Maybe, maybe a little bit off topic, but hopefully open banking when it comes to Canada can really help out with some of that as well. The idea being that- you know, so You see the gray hairs I have? Those are yeah. coming from discussions on open banking. So okay. have, I'm going to have none by the time it arrives. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah. Maybe on my deathbed as a, an old gray man, I will I will see that open banking has come to Canada in a way that the banks have stranglehold of the entire thing. I will say that in Canada, um, to your point, is a bit of a green space, but I do see a lot of innovation happening. I see a lot of people excited about technology or a lot more excited about technology that I've seen in the past 10 years. I think it just opens up the opportunity for more efficiencies, for give everybody an opportunity to be better advisors and also get the end clients the best results. Because I think a lot of us are in this business because we want to make sure we're helping the end client. And anything that we can do to help them, I think that's a win uh, for everybody in, in the Absolutely. life cycle. I think your your discussion on you know the you hit the right nail on the head. It's not about it's the integration piece, especially enabled through being on the cloud. You can't do that on desktop. So the ability for you to basically strategically align with say you know financial planning softwares or other to pull to to exchange the relevant data. Of course, not everything. The relevant data is valuable, and you know this is the game that's been played in the U.S. for many years. Now I'll still say many of the red integrations I see there tend to be rather rudimentary. Could go a little deeper, a little bit better, but you know it's it's there, right? And I think we're we're largely missing that in this country. So. I I think you're well positioned in that frankly it's a green field there's not a lot of competition there's no competition in the tax planning space that i've seen thus far that makes a lot of sense and if you keep on focusing on a narrow niche of tax like yeah everybody else will have something embedded in the financial planning software but not to the same depth that you do yeah and that's uh that's where we started but uh just like everybody else you start with one area and then maybe expand on others but tax is definitely our niche and tax is one of the more complex areas so there's a lot of time spent by me and my colleagues reading tax legislation putting that tax legislation into an interface that's easier for others to understand and to keep it current. Because when we're planning for clients or when you're planning for clients, it's really critical. You've got the up-to-date legislation, the up-to-date rates. And with the federal and provincial governments, I think there's a big need for more and more uh, revenue to uh, support the programs that we have in this country. So with that, um, we're probably going to continue to see lots of changes to the tax system. So it's critical to stay current and look for those opportunities that exist and figure out that puzzle to best help your clients.
Yep, absolutely. So before we end the podcast, there are three questions I ask everybody to end on a positive note. The first is, if you had one wish for something to change in your product or the industry as a whole, what would it be? All right, well, that's a really good question. And I'll, I'll try to answer. To I'm sorry, but continue. <laughs> I'm going to start issuing warnings for this one, but continue. <laughs> no, it's a very good question. Well, I think for us, the one big change is the one that we're working on is we want to be web-based. Um, we've yeah. talked about that a few times. You know, Excel was a fantastic platform when we started the business. Um, but, you know, as the world changes, we need to change with it. So being in a web-based environment just opens up new opportunities that we can do, even from a UI that isn't available in Microsoft Excel. So I say a big benefit for us and what I want in the product is there. And because I want it so badly, that's what we're focused on. So that's there. In terms of the in the industry, it's a real tricky answer only because tax is really complex. It really is like to be really strong at tax. It takes a full dedication, very similarly how a lot of, you know, professional firms have like dedicated investment teams who just do investments. It's a little bit different than someone who might be trying to manage investments, do financial planning, service their clients all together. So the challenge is we've got this piece of the industry, which is tax, which everyone is required to you know, have some knowledge about, but it's really hard to stay current and up to date on it. So I'd like to see an easier tax code if I had my way, because I think that would really help out the industry as a whole and help out individuals and shareholders uh, that way. Um, but that's not necessarily an industry change. It's probably has, it happens more at the government level. Don't we all? Good luck. We are in desperate need of a updated Carter Commission in this country. Uh, the Americans <laughs> are in desperate need of just burning the entire thing to the ground and start over, starting over again. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, I, I've heard, you know, simplification of tax code as a wish for God knows how long and politicians mention it and we never get there. So yeah. when I testified to the finance committee, when I went to Ottawa, this was one of the top three things on my list. We need to simplify the tax code, not complicate further uh, the tax code. So I still, my fingers crossed. I still think one day it'll happen, uh, but I think that's how we really move our industry forward. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like this is misnomer that, I mean, I will say that there are certain companies that do tax filings that are large international bodies that will lobby to prevent simplification of taxation. That is a thing. But I will also say that the reality is I think most people are in favor of simplification of at least personal taxation. And I think there's also a, a misnomer or belief that, you know, that basically the industry wants complexity because they benefit from it. I can tell you right now, no accountant I know wants to file personal tax returns, like none. So, so, I mean, the reality is, um, you know, you may think complexity does benefit the industry, but not to the degree that I think we want it to be benefited. Not not to not, the industry doesn't even want that benefit. They want they want simplification on that personal side and just focus on where the actual corporate corporate and trust stuff will always be complex. But <laughs> well, well, I I think our industry is is filled of fantastic professionals, really strong, smart people. And I think with the simplification of the tax system, that's going to open up more time for this great pool of talent to then move their resources of time into really helping businesses grow. And I think there's a win-win there where instead of someone spending maybe, you know, months of the year on compliance, that's months of the year they're spending to help their client maybe further uh, grow in the United States or other international markets or to be more efficient. So I think there's a lot of benefits from simplification of the tax system. And I think we have so many, so much great talent that can help businesses more than they can just because they're focused on compliance. I got my entire spiel on the time spent on compliance is the time is basically solely due to the failure of broker dealers to basically 
properly create workflows whereby both the sales and onboarding and compliance aspects are all taken care of in a streamlined workflow. There really is no reason why that can't be accomplished. But anyway, I guess that's, I'll get off that pulpit. <laughs> You've now. got two more questions. <laughs> two more questions. Uh, what's been the biggest challenge in the company to where it is today? I'd say the biggest challenge has been, I say there's been two big challenges we face as a company. The first challenge has been resources in terms of finding people who understand tax and can program. Uh, so those people are really difficult to find, especially because we are in a very niche space. So that that's always been tricky. And what we've really tried to do over time is you know, get the tax experts to learn how to program. That was a little easier than getting the programmers to learn tax. So that's kind of where step one started. I said the second challenge is, and it goes back to the complexity we just spoke about. I'm not able to sell a solution to a problem that somebody doesn't know exists. So mm -hmm. a big part of growing the company has really been education. And I've spoken across the country at all the biggest organizations we have from CPA Canada, CPA Ontario, Canadian Tax Foundation. I co-host Canadian Tax Matters with um, a friend of mine named Kim Moody, who's the lead at Moody's Tax. Your friend and been on my other podcast. Okay, so. perfect. So you know him, you know him well. Uh, and a few and a few others as well. So really folks on educating uh, the country about what are the challenges and things they need to look out for for their clients. And once they're aware of some of these challenges, well, then all of a sudden our solutions become much more prominent. They realize why they need them because they understand that risk uh, exists. So I'd say those are the, the two things that we faced over the years. And, you know, we've tackled them as well as we can. And I trust in the future moving web-based, there'll be new challenges that'll be present. Excellent. And what is the thing that excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up on the bed in the morning to fight the good fight? Uh, you know, that, that's a really good question. I really believe in Canadian businesses, and I believe the best way we can help Canadian businesses and individuals is to put them in a secure financial position. Uh, I think we've all heard stories about uh, individuals who might run out of money in retirement because they didn't plan effectively, or we've heard about businesses that unfortunately couldn't get to the next stage because they didn't manage their cash flow properly or they they missed something on a tax side which created a significant penalty. So I think what really excites me is being able to help all these great innovative companies and all these hardworking individuals and help put them in a position so they can live their full life and live out their business dreams. And tax is complex. And I think due to its complexity, we know that the that those who have significant resources and significant funds are getting access to the best people in the country. And I think if we can put that in a software, we can open up those same tax opportunities for everyone in the country. And I think that's something we can do with software. So instead of me maybe just advising a small group of clients, if I can put my brain into a software, um, I can support them all and give everybody the same opportunity. So that's what gets me out of bed. That's what has me motivated. And uh, that's why we just keep on pushing forward. Excellent. Jay, thank you so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me, Jason. It's great talking with you. Excellent. So that was Jay Goodis of Tax Templates. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you were an advisor looking to upgrade your tax conversations with your clients, please take a look at Tax Templates. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com.
You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you.